most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy holidays from Minky Couture. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super superfood on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And we are coming to you on a special night because we are here to preview games one and two of the American League Division Series between the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers. It will get underway tomorrow afternoon at 1.03 Eastern as Kyle Bradis takes a mound for the Orioles against Andrew Haney and the Rangers. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a little bit, but first a quick programming note. During the Orioles playoff run, we're going to be switching up the way we do this show a little bit. We're going to have shorter but more frequent episodes throughout the week until the Orioles playoff run is over. So hopefully we're going to be doing this for a while. We'll be on the air tonight for maybe about 20, 30 minutes, and then we'll be back with you Monday night, which will be the off day as the two teams travel down to Arlington for games three and four, if necessary, of the division series. 
And now we'll take a look first at the early part of the series, which we'll see the Orioles host the Rangers. The Rangers press off a two-game sweep over the Tampa Bay Rays and give the Rangers credit. Uh, things seem to be working on all cylinders for them. They got back-to-back good starts from Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Eovaldi. Their lineup looked good, in particular the bottom part of the order coming through big in their 7-1 to series clinching victory on Wednesday. The night before, Jordan Montgomery had delivered an excellent start, but the Rays played uncharacteristically sloppy baseball in that game, committing four errors. And really during that series, we saw some bad habits from the Rays we really didn't see all year. Bad defense in the first game, and in both games, really an inability to prevent the big inning. So the Rangers riding into Baltimore with a little bit of momentum. And now it's worth taking a look back at what these two teams did in the regular season, because chances are it doesn't really mean a whole lot. The last time the Orioles and Rangers faced off was on Memorial Day weekend when Kyle Bradis helped the Orioles avoid a sweep with a strong start in a 3-2 victory. The two teams split their six-game series with the Orioles taking two out of three down in Texas in April before the Rangers came to Baltimore over Memorial Day weekend and took two of three in that series. I'll start with Bob here. With the Rangers coming off a win over the race, which was surprising in some regard, how are you feeling about them coming into Baltimore? I think they're going to come into a little bit of a livelier atmosphere in Baltimore for the first home playoff game in nine years. I think the crowd's going to be electric, and I think there's going to be life, more life in the Orioles themselves than, than the Rays showed in that series. So I don't think it's going to be quite as easy. Um, great team. You know, they've been up and down, but when they're on, they're they're pretty tough to beat, especially offensively. Yeah, I'm I'm not scared of them. I'm not really scared of any team left other than maybe the Braves and the Dodgers, but and we're going to beat the Dodgers in 7, don't forget. But um yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, but at the same time it's playoffs, so of course you got those nerves and and some doubts, but uh I feel pretty good. You know, I think the Rangers have their hands full just as much as the Orioles do. Yeah, I'm actually pretty happy that it's Texas and Baltimore and not Tampa Bay and Baltimore because, you know, Anything can and will happen in the playoffs once you get in, but I just didn't think there was any way that Tampa Bay was going to be able to go deep or be competitive with all their injuries. And that continued to pile up. They just, like you said, Zach, they looked awful in that wild card series. Jose Siri looked like he wanted to be literally anywhere else than on a baseball field uh, in game one. Ugly all around, but you know, it's the playoffs. You want to be the best, you got to be the best, right? There's no Mickey Mouse championships here. I want the back and forth drama. I want two really good teams going at it. I want this series to take years off my life. That's like, that's what I prefer. Like, and you know, just how many times do you see these like bad teams that don't deserve to win going up against much better teams and they come out on top? Like you see that a lot. And I think like Bob said before our live show Monday night, check out that episode if, uh, if you didn't already, but, um, I think we were just hanging out beforehand and you were like, yeah, Tampa Bay doesn't really scare you. They're just annoying. And I said, that's why I'm afraid of Tampa Bay because they are annoying. And like, could you imagine if Baltimore, like if it's just one, one and they go to Tampa Bay and then you got to play in front of 18, 19 fans, how are you going to get psyched up for that? Like I just too many traps in that series. I like Texas. The offense is, which I'm sure we'll talk about is amazing. I love their offense, but I also love Baltimore's offense. And I think if both of these lineups are on point, which I hope they are, then it's going to come down to pitching. And I think the advantage there goes to Baltimore. I think that's going to be the key in this series. And I think it's a fairly noticeable advantage when it comes to the pitching. So 
I'm psyched for this series. I think it's going to be uh, much better than the, any of the AL wildcard games we saw. Yeah, and I feel like if it was Tampa Bay, every game would be like one, two runs, close the whole way, just scrappy, edge of your seat. With the Rangers, I feel like, you know, we could win a game five to one. They could win a game seven to three. It could it'd be a little more uh, variance in scores. With the Rays, it's going to be like three to two, two to one. So yeah, I take some years off my life, but maybe not a decade. Yeah, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster for the Rangers lately. They went into the final weekend against the Mariners with a shot at winning the AL West. In fact, they controlled their own destiny, but then went in and lost the series against Seattle while the Astros won their series at Arizona, which allowed the Astros to take the AL West by virtue of holding the tiebreaker, which was the season series victory. So the Rangers did look kind of flat going into Tampa Bay. With that said, they come out with two wins, and Jordan Montgomery, who we will see in Game 2, was a big part of that. He set the tone with a dominant Game 1. Nathan Eovaldi followed him up in Game 2. And what happened in that series was that they got two really good performances from those starters. The lineup looked good in both games, did what it needed to do, Corey Seager especially. And then the bullpen, which is the weakness that the Rangers have, held up its end of the bargain in the chances that it had. So knowing that the Rangers have so far found a formula that works for them in the playoffs, but the Orioles have a way of exposing weaknesses in other teams' bullpens, how do you guys see that playing out? I mean, you know, Texas's bullpen is definitely, I don't think, compares to Baltimore's bullpen. But at the same time, like, they still have some pretty key pieces here that they can be effective with. This team is they still got to the playoffs with this bullpen. I know. Um, I I just, I don't know. I, I think with Haney going in game one and them going, deciding to go with Montgomery in game two on shorter rest. I think the, the key to get off to a big start here is if they get to Andrew Haney early here in game one and start working that bullpen from the jump, that's going to create even a bigger advantage because even with Felix Batista gone, like this Orioles bullpen, you've got, Tyler Wells down there. You've got another lot of questions about Fujinami, right? Should he be on the roster? Should he not be on the roster? And we don't know as we're recording this right now what the final roster is, but you've got someone like Fujinami who can miss bats. You've got DL Hall, who I think could be one of the bigger wild cards among this group. I just don't see Texas having that kind of their bullpen having that kind of impact. And you know, but they're rested. And well, I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what the plan is with Haney. Like do they want him to go five or six innings? Do they want to do one time through the lineup with him and then switch to Dane Dunning, bring him in for another time through the lineup, you know, after that. So that'll be, that'll be interesting, but you got, like Nick said, you got to jump on Haney early or at least work him that you can get into that bullpen because outside of Jose Leclerc, who didn't have the best season, but was hot in the last month. Uh, shout out to Locked On Orioles. Did a great preview of the ALDS as well this morning. Check that out. Um, outside of Leclerc and Aroldis Chapman, there's really not much to write home about with their bullpen. I'd say it's it's pretty poor, actually. Whereas, like you said, we just have a, a deeper bullpen, even if it's not the name value. You don't have the Felix Bautista, but you got plenty of options right and left. And Deal Hall, Tyler Wells, they're coming in hot. Uh, and fresh so John Means as well who will start game three most likely yeah I love the edge for the Orioles in the bullpen so give us a lead a couple of runs 
late in the game and uh you know i'll still be incredibly nervous but i'll feel a little bit better about it than uh if i was a rangers fan and the opposite was true i talked in the lead-in about how you can probably throw a lot of things in the orioles and rangers matchups in the regular season out and i think andrew haney is actually a very good example of that because he faced the orioles twice this year and had wildly different results on April 4th, he lasted just two and two-thirds inning and was charged with seven runs, all of them earned, gave up two home runs in a loss. Meanwhile, on Memorial Day weekend at Baltimore, he was lights out over seven innings, giving up just one run on four hits while striking out three and walking one. With that said, do either one of you want to take a guess of the starting nine for the Orioles in that in that game, the one at Camden Yards? I mean, I could take a shot at it. Let's see. You go uh, for it. All right. I'll say when, which game was it in May? This was the second game. Um, it was on, let's see, May 27th. I'll say Joey Ortiz was in that lineup. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Great start. Adley <laughs> Rutschman, uh, Ramon Arias. Yep. Jorge Mateo. Yes. James McCann. Yes. Um, I'll say Mullins, Hayes, yep. mm-hmm. Santander. No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm out. So I'll give you the lineup in Positions. order. Okay. Cedric Mullins was leading off in center field. Adley Rutzman batting second as a DH. He went over four in that game. Austin Hayes batting third in left field. He probably had the best day in the Orioles lineup. One for three with a home run. Two runs scored. Ryan Malcastle is batting fourth, playing first base. Ramon Arias fifth at third base. James McCann sixth behind the plate. Adam Frazier at second. Then Ryan McKenna in right field. And then Jorge Mateo rounding out the lineup at number nine. Gunnar Henderson was not in that lineup that day. Cedric Mullins was leading off against the left-hander, which you never see anymore. Now, Dean Kramer was charged with the loss in this game. Six and a third innings, three runs, all of them earned on five hits. But the relievers who gave up the two runs that were the difference maker, Brian Baker and Michael Givens, and then Keegan Aiken came in at the end. I feel like I'm reading a box score from another season. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the people that are posting the uh, box score from the final game of last season with Taron Vavra leading off, et cetera, et cetera. Jose Aguilar. Yeah, I mean... I, so I pulled up the game log here, and yeah, no Gunnar Henderson, no Santander, right? And Santander, I think, can be the key piece to this lineup because if Santander is in there driving in runs and getting on base with potentially a guy like Cedric Mullins batting in the lower third of the lineup behind him, Santander has a big series. I don't think this lineup can be stopped, and especially if you're getting contributions from – I know Cedric Mullins has been ice cold, but if you move him down in this lineup and he's able to produce and, and give you something here – I don't see how the Orioles offense is going to be stoppable in this series, but you replace Brian Baker with a DL hall and you replace Michael Givens, Keegan Aiken with, um, you know, a Tyler Wells and then a Yinier Cano web Jake. Yeah. I mean, Jacob Webb. Danny Coulomb is still there. Like this deep, this bullpen is deep. And when you look at who may be left out of the rotation and could be used in the bullpen, that's a boost as well. Like just so many options here. And, yeah, two of your bigger pieces. You're, what, one and two in home run leaders weren't in this lineup either, Santander and Gunner. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, obviously, Santander will be in there every game, as well as Henderson, and he's improved against lefties as it's gone on. You got Jordan Westberg now. I feel like that's an upgrade over Ramon Arias, who might still sneak in the lineup there. You might see Mateo start one of these games. I'm not even sure if you will. Frazier will be on the bench against a lefty. Aaron Hicks is a better option. Uh, yeah, I think we'll, we're going to put our best foot forward. Uh, it's going to be a lot better than that game four months ago. Look ahead real quick to game two. Jordan Montgomery is going to get to start for the Rangers. And Montgomery deserves a ton of credit for the reason why the Rangers are even made the playoffs. He came over from the Cardinals as a trade deadline and was excellent for the Rangers in 11 starts. He went 67 and two thirds innings, striking out 58 while walking just 13 batters and went four and two in games in which he had a decision. He's going up against Grayson Rodriguez, who memorably made his major league debut down in Texas back in April. He was charged with a loss in that game, but actually pitched decent. However, his second start against the Rangers did not go well at all. That was a Cannon Yards. And you may remember this is a game in which Rodriguez gave up nine runs, eight earned, and three and a third innings pitch. He was sent down to Norfolk after that start. Obviously, he came back a few weeks later and really since about the end of July has been one of the best pitchers in the American League. So it feels like even though Rodriguez has faced the Rangers twice this year, they're in a little bit of unfamiliar territory because they have yet to see this version of Grayson Rodriguez. On the flip side, Montgomery has been arguably one of the biggest, if not the best, trade acquisition that any team made at the trade deadline. What do the two of you see coming out of that matchup? This is a different pitcher. The Rangers haven't faced this pitcher yet this season. I'm sorry. You know, Rodriguez came up nervous as hell in his major league debut and pitched fairly well against, I think it was Jacob DeGrom. Um, and then obviously got lit up in his last game in his first in the majors. He's throwing a lot harder now. He's locating better. He's knows to throw the cutter a lot less, if at all. And yeah, I think, you know, the Rangers can get to any pitcher. They have a really good offense, but I feel like Grayson Rodriguez is going to at least be step-by-step with Jordan Montgomery. And and Montgomery, yeah, he's been great all season and pitched great against the Rays, but it's not like he's uh, some guy that's a whiff monster. He's not a Jacob deGrom, as previously mentioned. He's not going to, you know, we're going to put some balls in play. It's just a matter of them finding holes and, and hitting the ball hard, which I think this lineup can do. And yeah, I'm pretty confident that just because the Orioles were cold over that past week, maybe even two, that was a, a rough last month or so of the season as far as rest goes, lack thereof. I think they're going to come in fired up and refreshed and ready for this playoffs the first time for a lot of these guys other than maybe Hicks and, and Frazier. So bring it on. Yeah, you're not shocked, I guess. I was thinking they'd probably hold off on Montgomery for game three. I was kind of not hoping they would, but you see, I was kind of thinking that that could give Texas maybe a slight advantage that, especially if they're able to get a Baltimore with like a one, one series tie there, they're going to be having their best two starters in Montgomery and Evaldi being able to go against our three and four starters. Uh, But getting Montgomery here at home, I like it better. I know I'm sure you're going lefty lefty because the lefty is going to play better at Camden yards. I get that. But honestly, like Bob said, this Grayson Rodriguez is a different Grayson Rodriguez. It's not the same Grayson that made his debut in Texas or pitched any time versus Texas. Um, so I like sending our number two starter against their number one starter. And our number two starter, when he's on, is going to be better. 
than Jordan Montgomery is, to be completely honest. I don't think that's a homer take at all. We just saw a couple weeks ago or a couple of days ago what Grayson Rodriguez could do against a playoff team. Right? It was that eight shutout innings there against Tampa Bay, a dominant start. Like this kid has it. He's locked in. Uh, I'm I, I was before the rotation was announced, I was thinking about it like I wonder if the Orioles would go John Means game two because of that lefty maybe plays better at Camden Yards. You got the veteran, especially if you lose game one, you know you're going to throw out a veteran who he's made four starts. Yes, he's coming off Tommy John surgery, but he hadn't even had his best stuff. So if he's feeling better, you know he's going to bring it. You know he feels comfortable there. Then you feel a lot better about game two. And then you go to Texas. Grayson Rodriguez goes home. You know He's going to have friends and family there. He's pitched in that ballpark before, so maybe he still feels a little bit comfortable. And you've got a strikeout guy who, you know, I know Texas home run lineup, it could be dangerous, but Rodriguez gets the swing and miss while John Means really doesn't right now. Rodriguez can give you that jump start in game three, but I kind of like going Grayson Rodriguez in game two here because the rookie, and I don't know him personally, obviously, but having the rookie at home, the sold out crowd, and what I do know about Grayson is having that sold out orange crowd at home, like that energy is just going to pump right through his veins. And I think he's going to gas feed him off up. That. <laughs> yeah. He's going to feed off that at home. So I actually really love the fact that Texas is going with their quote unquote ace and we're going with our number two guy, but uh, he's got a lot to prove. I'm sure he has a big chip on his shoulder for this game. And I'm very anxious to see what Grayson can do at home in the playoffs. And you got to look at like, Obviously, we don't want to look at the possibility that we're down 0-2 heading to Texas. But in that case, I don't want the ball in the in the rookie's hands on the road. Like John Means, you know, he can handle that a little bit better. And then you could follow him up with another veteran with Kyle Gibson in game four, potentially, if that was the case. But even if we're up 2-0 or it's even 1-1, I just like John Means can handle handle his business He because he John Means' business uh, on the road as well as at home and yeah, I, I like the call. It was pretty pretty easy choice, but I, I'm glad they didn't get, try to get too, tr- too tricky with it. Well, Means has already come up big as a stopper for the Orioles down the stretch. So that start he had at Cleveland, the one hitter, uh, that series was not going well for the Orioles. And he came out and on a night where the offense was a little cold and delivered a really good start. And if it is Dean Kramer who gets the other start in Texas, I'm okay with that because Kramer is a guy that has come up with some big starts for the Orioles. I know it's not always pretty, but he usually finds a way to get the job done in big starts. Now, I'm going to kind of change directions here real quick. There's been a little bit of commentary floating around, I think especially in national media and some in the local press as well, about how cold the Orioles' bats were down the stretch. And I wanted to put some numbers into perspective here just to talk about how the Orioles performed over their really over their final week of the season, there were a lot of uh, low scoring games in there for sure. But at the same time, when you look at the final weekend against Boston, the Orioles only fielded their regular lineup between Friday and Sunday once, and they scored five runs that night. So, do either one of you have any concerns about the offense, or do you think that this is maybe just a stretch of? coincidentally low scoring games like the, the game that they won over Josiah Gray to start the national series and the fact that we didn't see a lot of the regulars over the last weekend. No, how many of those games were they hung over? 
Like, I mean, they were celebrating. The this regular season was over. They didn't need to give it their all. They didn't need to field you know, the full lineup in those games. And like you said, the when they rolled out the full lineup, they went five runs. That's solid. That's all I need to see, right? Because you're going to probably need five plus runs tonight to win these games against Texas, unless you get just a dominant start from you know Bradish or Grayson or Means or whoever. You're going to need to put up runs. I'm really not concerned about it. It's the end of the year. They knew exactly what they're playing for. Again, all the celebrations taking place. Let them have their fun. You you get these young guys, you know, anybody. It doesn't matter if you're an older veteran in Adam Frazier who has only been here for less than a full, well, one full regular season, or you're one of the young guys who came up through this organization. You were drafted by this organization. The city means a lot to you personally. This organization means a lot to you. It doesn't matter. You're going to be playing in front of a sold out crowd who I, I don't know, couldn't tell you the last time uh, this ballpark has seen that kind of energy that they're going to see tomorrow afternoon. Right. So I, that lineup is going to show up. I don't have any concerns about that. Me either. It's just going to be a whole different vibe because, you know, you saw the offense struggle a little bit towards the end of that 17 straight day stretch of playing a game, which that makes sense. You're getting worn down a little bit. And then, Soon after that, they clinched the division, and it's what are we even playing for anymore? You know, at the, the rest of the season, you can't really take too much of that for granted. It's a whole different vibe, like I said. So I think they're going to come in fired up. They've been, you know, resting but still staying sharp, practicing. I'm assuming. So I don't know. I of course any team can go cold at any time, and that's what the playoffs are: be hot at the right time. But I don't think it's going to be a lack of uh, motivation or I don't think what happened the last couple weeks of the season is going to carry over into the playoffs. Who do you guys see as among the players as the X factor in this series? In other words, if this guy comes up with a big series or comes through in the right moments, the Orioles are absolutely going to defeat the Rangers. No questions asked. Hmm. So, I mean, I mentioned Santander earlier. I think he's going to be a big catalyst to this lineup. Cedric Mullins could be a key to this lineup as well, especially if he's hitting six, seven, even lower in the lineup. But honestly, I've hated this guy for a long time. I've not been a fan of his. I'm honestly, I'm going to say Jorge Mateo. I think he could be instrumental in this series. Like, yes, the speed and defense factor. I get it. when the series goes to Texas. I think when this series goes to Texas, that speed and defense is going to really matter, even if he's not starter. Mateo went three for nine with two home runs at Globe Life Field. So small sample size. I get that. It's playoffs. It's different. But still, he has also like monster home runs he had down there. Mateo's hit well at Globe Life Field. And it's, it's not the bat that you need to show up for Mateo. And again, I haven't been a big fan of his at all. I thought all year that despite the fact that so many love to highlight the speed and defense as a reason to keep him around as a bench piece, I've always thought, well, his speed and his defense are replaceable. He's not a unicorn in this game, especially defensively. But now that we're here in the playoffs and he's still on this roster, like I get it. Like When one error or one stolen base or in the eighth inning of game five, stretching a single into a double, like that can win you a series. That could turn a series. And I think it's really nice to have a player like Mateo there. And it's it's going to be the unsung hero. It's not going to be... I don't see it being a gunner or Adley. That would be great. That'd be nice. But it's going to be the unsung hero that steps up at a critical point in this series and, and does it for Baltimore. I'm between two guys for me. 
Um, but I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle because Ryan O'Hearn, he cannot hit lefties. He's not going to start these first two games, I wouldn't imagine. Um, so it's going to be up to the lefty masher, Ryan Mountcastle. You know, he came back from vertigo, was lighting the world on fire. Then he hurt his shoulder. Not as good coming back from that, but now fully rested up, I'm assuming. He's he's going to have to hit. He's going to have to hit. And uh, and my other guy was going to be Austin Hayes just because I feel like he could hit some lefties too. But those two guys, I feel like if they have a good week, the Orioles are, are going to coast into the ALCS. Gunner was still scuffling both times that the Orioles uh, faced the Rangers this year. But that's an obvious X factor. I'm going to go on the flip side of what Bob just said and take Ryan O'Hearn. Because while I don't expect O'Hearn to start either game in Baltimore, in fact, I'd be very surprised if he starts either game in Baltimore, there's probably going to be opportunities for him late in the game to come off the bench. And we have seen Ryan O'Hearn come through big in late moments for the Orioles plenty of times this year. So if the Rangers have a tough rugby reliever on the mound and the Orioles get to a spot in the order where they want to bring in a pinch hitter, it's going to be O'Hearn. And if O'Hearn can go up and do what he does in big moments, which is put together a competitive at bat that ends with a line drive in the gap or a home run, that's going to be a huge difference maker for the Orioles. And in fact, if someone has a Delman Young moment over the next two days, I'm going to say try and O'Hearn. That would be awesome. Um, I, you know, he ended the season on an 0 for 23 stretch, but as Connor Newcomb pointed out on Locked On Orioles, I think he put 16 balls in play and eight of them were hit and were considered hard hit balls. So it's not like he was, you know, swinging and missing more. It was more of just batted ball and play luck. And, and that's just something that can happen. And yeah, if he's facing a right handed pitcher and he makes contact, it's probably going to hit the ball hard. So I think that's a, a pretty good choice as well. And Jordan Westberg, he wasn't around when these guys played last time. So get someone that you that you haven't seen. You never know. Just if he connects with a fastball, we know he can put the ball a long way. Yeah. Someone's got to step up for this Orioles offense, though. You you can't you can have a bat go cold. It's going to happen. No lineup's going to be perfect. Someone's going to go cold for Texas as well. But someone has to step up in this lineup because Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager are both six plus war players for Texas this year. And Seager only played like 118, 119 games this year. Adolis Garcia can take over a game. Evan Carter, honestly, is is a tremendous ball player. I've really enjoyed watching him in that Tampa Bay series. Nathaniel Lowe has been ice cold coming into this series, but if he decides he wants to heat up here at Camden Yards, then that's going to take Texas's lineup to a whole other dimension. And on talking about Ryan O'Hearn, when I, I was looking at this lineup for Texas, like why Robbie Grossman is still in the lineup, I, I don't know. Bruce Bochy knows something we don't, but like that's their Ryan O'Hearn. I feel like he's gonna give if Texas is gonna come out on top, it's gonna it you know it's not gonna be an Adolis Garcia home run, which fine. All right, you make a good pitch against Garcia and he hits a bomb out at Globe Life Field to win the series. You know what? You really can't hate it because that's what the man does. He hit like 40 home runs. As long as it's a good pitch and it's not a meatball, there's nothing you can do. Like, yeah, just tip the cap but it's going to be Robbie freaking Grossman that wins this series. I, I feel it. I hope not. But if Texas does win, it's going to be him. But yeah, if if Mountie's hitting and if Austin Hayes is hitting, these righties step up in these first two games, the Orioles will be sitting pretty going down to Texas. 
not to mention you got Adley Rutschman sent out there. Like the Orioles lineup, there are no slouches either. We're very deep top to bottom. You know, we don't have maybe that guy that's going to just like take over like uh, Francisco Alvarez did last year for the Astros. But, you know, this is a really solid lineup. And I wouldn't underestimate the importance of Aaron Hicks. You know, he's probably not going to put up 800 OPS, but he has great at-bats even when he's getting out. And I think that's going to be important, especially when we're trying to get to a bullpen that has struggled at times this year. All right, let's go around here to wrap up. Who's going to win the series and why? I'm going to go 3-2. It's going to be 3-2. I'm going to come back home to Baltimore and take this thing with Kyle Bradish back on the bump for Game 5. And I, I think the Orioles win this because of the bullpen. I, it's going to be... I could see high scoring games and, you know, maybe guys like Grayson and Kramer, they go five innings and they give up four or five runs. But you look back, you're like, they actually pitched well. This Texas lineup was just on fire. I could see that happening. But like Bob said, this Orioles lineup is also deep and this Orioles lineup is also very talented. And Hyde and, and these guys, they know how to manipulate this lineup pretty well. I know it's frustrated some at times. It's annoying some nights, but they can manipulate this lineup pretty well, play the matchups well, and it's worked. So I think game five, Orioles pull it out. Maybe Bradish doesn't have the biggest day, uh, but you're going to get that clutch hit late in the game, whether it's Ryan O'Hearn, whether it's Mateo, um, you know, whether it's Westberg, it's going to be somebody that you're not expecting to step up is going to step up and win the series for the Orioles. I genuinely, genuinely think anything can happen in this series, but I do see the Orioles coming out ahead i'm gonna say we sweep them three games to nothing though i think brad and grayson with that electric orange crowd i'm i'm pumped up to be there on sunday i'll be at the grayson game and hey if your outcome comes true game five i have tickets to that as well i would love to be there for that but i think just bradish and grayson are going to shove and it means is going to come up big on the road and we're going to sweep them um, this is going to be a competitive series regardless. And if the Orioles do go down to the Rangers, I feel like they will have lost to a very well-balanced, very good team. So no shame in that. Now, with that said, I'm going to say Orioles in four. Because what I think is going to be the – this is going to be the difference maker for both teams. For the Rangers, it's about scoring big early. And for the Orioles, it's can your starters keep you in the game long enough? And can the offense answer that with what the offense has typically done well throughout the year? Run up the pitch count on the starter, put together good at bats, long innings, get into the bullpen, and just get going from there. And I think that the first two starters in this series give the Orioles the best chance to do just that. Bradis and Rodriguez don't have to go out and deliver back-to-back seven shutout inning starts to, for the Orioles to be up 2-0 going out of Baltimore. It would be nice but they don't have to. Their job is just to keep the game close enough that the offense can strike late. And hopefully in the meantime, the offense is able to run Andrew Haney and Jordan Montgomery out early. I think that is going to happen. It's going to feel like a seven game series, but it's going to be a four game series with the Orioles coming out ahead. Yeah, that's a great point. The, the rain, like you said, the Rangers, they want to get a big lead early and try to hold on. I feel like the Orioles, you want to shorten the length of these games, just shorten them, like keep it tied, keep it one, two runs late in the game. And you like your chances to uh, get something done against uh, against their bullpen. Who do we think is going to be the MVP of the series? It's a good question. And you know, 
going back to well, I think about that. I mean, going back to if Texas jumps out early, this team has been masters of chipping away. They've been masters of a shaking off the bad loss. So they get blown out in game two. Let's say they win game one, they get blown out in game two, and you got to go to Texas. I'm scared to death if I'm Texas because I know this Orioles team is going to come out firing in game three. It's what they've done most of the year. Um, and you know, if Texas wants to jump out to an early lead. Well, that bullpen, one of the worst ERAs in all of baseball. It's an ERA of like five this year, like 25th or 26th ranked in all of baseball. This team can ship away at the leads. No lead is safe uh, in this game, no matter how big of a lead you jump out to early on, I think. But as far as like MVP of the series, I'm I'm sticking with it and going to say Santander. I think he is a big key to this series, and he can be – we've seen it already this year, what he can do over a stretch of games. We've seen the big-time moments – He's had uh, that power. I love it. I love a lot of calls to trade Santander for much of the year, going into back to the last offseason, looking ahead to next offseason, talks of trading Santander. I really love this guy, and I think he's going to be an instrumental piece of this roster, not just in this playoff series, but uh, in the future as well. For my MVP, I'm going to go with Gunner. I just think that what the difference he could be in this series, especially because when he's on, he can hit lefties. Lefties don't phase him. And if he can come up with big games back-to-back against Andrew Haney and Jordan Montgomery, the Orioles are probably going to win this series. So I'm going to take Gunner. Big players come up big in big games. I think Adley Rutschman is born for moments like this. Um, You know, he was walked in the College World Series with the bases loaded, Barry Bond style. I, I think he's going. He's almost going under the radar just because he's so steady. He's so good. Um, and my honorable mention is Brandon Hyde because you know he's going to be pulling out all the stops with the bullpen moves, bringing in guys, Ciano you know, Perez halfway through an inning just to get a couple lefties out, and then you know every every reliever can pitch every day in the playoffs. I feel like for this team, and and I think uh, you're going to see some cool stuff with DL Hall. He'll he'll live it up big in the playoffs. He's I feel like he's a guy that will come up big in a big moment. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun no matter what. And uh, can't wait to see what happens. I have one more question. Get your guys' opinion on. I know, we're of course, you're going longer than we said we were going to go. Um, <laughs> but I, I, we got Bradish. We got Rodriguez. Assuming they haven't announced anything past those two guys, right, at, at this point. So assuming, let's assume John Means goes game three. I don't know. But if that's the case, game four, and Bradish is going game five, if this goes five. If you need a game four, if the series gets that far, are you going Dean Kramer or are you guys going to go with Gibson? I would take Kramer for one reason, which is that when Gibson is off a little bit, the damage comes on the front end of the game and he'll go out and he'll have a bad first inning and then he'll cruise for five or six after that. But you can't afford to do that with this lineup. Whereas I feel like Kramer is going to be a little bit steadier. You may have to shorten the game a little bit with the bullpen but I would rather Kramer go out and give me five and two thirds innings of two run baseball than for Gibson to go out and give me six innings, four runs, all of which come in the first inning on the road. So I, I would take Kramer. Yeah. If we're down two to one, I'm going Kramer. If we're up two to one, I might go Gibson, but have both available, you know, in both games. And if you're down two to one, you start Kramer. And if it gets ugly early, you bring, you know, all hands on deck, whatever you got to do you know, Bradish on three days rest or whatever. I don't even know the scenarios, but spare no expense. And yeah, I'd go Kramer over Gibson. I like it. I like it. I love, especially, 
I love the young guys. That's another thing too here. My my final thought on the series is even if they do lose, I love that they're going Bradish and Rodriguez one two, and hopefully we do see Kramer start a game at some point as well. But I just love the fact that they're going with the young guys. If they win, fantastic, unbelievable. They can do it. They're more than capable of doing it. And you're proving that these guys you developed in your organization uh, are playoff winners. And you know what? If it doesn't go their way and the Orioles end up falling in this series and Bradish and Rodriguez don't pitch well, the window is wide open. This is just the beginning of the contention window. And you know it is going to piss off Grayson Rodriguez all offseason. It's going to eat at Kyle Bradish all offseason. And next year, all bets are off. These guys are going to have a major chip on their shoulder. They're going to want revenge for those two games. And it's... Yeah, not to look forward to next year, but if worst case scenario, I think it's a win-win situation here, personally. Yeah, agreed. You know, the the good thing about this Orioles team this year is, you know, we weren't supposed to look, I got hyped up watching that video that the Orioles tweeted out about how everyone was picking against us and and we won 101 games. But the good thing about that is, hey, yeah, we can win the World Series this year. You know, anything can happen. This could be the year. But if it's not, we got about eight to 10 more tries that are, we're going to be right here, like every year for the next decade, knock on wood. But, you know, we're set up for a very long time where we're not here for a good time. We're here for a long time. I think it's supposed to be the opposite, but uh, yeah, we're not going anywhere, but let's have some fun and, and, you know, we could win or we could lose, but either way, major league baseball better get used to seeing the Orioles in the postseason. Completely agree with that. And we'll end it on that note. Check us out on social media over the weekend. You can find us on Twitter, we're X, Facebook, YouTube. Also check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for postseason coverage of the Orioles as well as coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and more. We will be back on Monday night to break down the first two games of the series and look at how the series is shaping up as the two teams head to Texas for games three and four. You won't want to miss that. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in tonight. Hope you enjoy the weekend. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to On The Verge. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.